A quick note on today's show before we get started. You may notice us refer to the show as the Infectious Dialogue Podcast. This was our working name before the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. We decided to change the name to the ID Podcast, and if you'd like to learn more about why we did that, please listen to episode zero. If not, enjoy the show. Hello, my name's Naman, and welcome back to another episode of Infectious Dialogue. Today, we're joined by our episode director, Kathy, to bring you a new segment in the show called the ID Spotlight, where we introduce students from our class and chat about their unique backgrounds and perspectives. The segment was born out of a real want and need to genuinely connect, learn, and share the incredible stories of the students in our class. Our hope is that you'll feel like you're sitting down with one of us at the dinner table. We can't wait to share with all of you our first ever ID Spotlight. Truly, guys, I think this was like a real privilege to really get the chance to interview a classmate and a close friend of mine. Uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy. We have a really candid conversation about. So our guest is Dina Herman. She is a mother of three. She's also very religious. And I think that uh, the intersection of her being a mother, her being uh, so involved with the Jewish faith, I think really brought about a very interesting and genuine conversation. And I truly felt like it was a privilege to share that with uh, Kathy and Dina and just really get to know about her, just kind of a bit of her background and why she wanted to go into medicine and what it's like being like being a mother in medicine. And I think that truly it was a, it was a really great opportunity and just a overall nice conversation to have. So without any further delay, here's Dina's story. So, welcome everyone. We're not. We're just gonna jump right into it. So, just for the people listening out there, uh, my name is Nemo, and I'm one of the co-producers on Infectious Dialogue. Here with me, I have my episode director. I'm Kathy. Everyone, hi. And our very special guest on this episode, titled "What are we titling this?" By the way. Oh yes, I think we're yeah. calling this uh, segment "ID Spotlight." ID Spotlight. Yeah, ID right. Spotlight. So, in the ID Spotlight, we have Dina. Do you want to say hi, Dina? Hi, everyone. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. How are you doing today, Dina? I'm doing really well. I woke up earlier than I usually do because my husband is out of town and I had to get all three kids out somewhere for someone to then take them to school because I had to leave uh, the GTA at 7 to get here on time. Oh, wow. Mm. But there's also something nice about knowing that you can get four people out of the house at a very early hour so yeah I can barely get myself out of the house at that very early hour so that's impressive yeah a thousand percent oh wildly impressed already and we're yeah. less than a minute in yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm already uh starting to question I'm like oh I had to take Chiku out this morning and that was a uh, he woke me up and I was like how do I how would Dina do this with three kids waking up at different times because like they must not they must wake up at different times or is it like pretty routine based uh, yeah, they're pretty good with wake up. I have really good kids in that sense that they'll play on their own. They'll even get themselves some food. Sugar content's high, but they're not waking me out of bed to feed them. So <laughs> Okay, awesome. Very impressive. So, Dina, you kind of alluded to this already in that you have three kids. Um, but we'd love to know sort of what you did before medical school in addition to having three beautiful children. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, sure. Should I just take you through please, sort of please. a little bit of a history? Okay. Yeah. So after I graduated high school, I took a gap year. And I did that in Israel. And it was actually pretty academic in the sense that I think I was in 70 hours a week of like lectures. And it was a sort of a Jewish education year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just a really nice way to solidify the Jewish education I had received all through primary and secondary school. Then I started York University. Uh, I was a biomedical science student, and I did all the classic first-year science stuff that anyone would do. And in that year, within like the first two months, I met my husband-to-be. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. So. What was that like? Big uh, romance, or was it... (laughs) Did he sweep you off your feet? It actually was kind of a nice romantic yeah. story. I don't have time to get into okay, it, that's fair. but it was yeah. uh, Stay tuned. It's a cute story. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I, as you may or may not be familiar in sort of observant Jewish circles, the dating period pre-marriage can be shorter than maybe in the rest of you know our society, and so that meant that I got engaged and planned a wedding. Um, all within first year. So it was a pretty busy first year. A lot of firsts to be managing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the night before my final calculus exam, my husband was at my parents' house asking permission to propose. And even though I wasn't really supposed to know, I knew. I didn't get any studying done, and I didn't do so well on that, <laughs> even though I like math. Um, so there was, like, you know, balancing some of that. Then... My husband is a rabbi, so for those who don't know what a rabbi is, it's kind of like a Jewish minister, uh, but more in an educational role. And so he had to, rabbinical training can vary, but it is like a sort of degree in a sense, and he was completing it. He had done four out of five years in Israel, and he wanted to finish. So that means that I had to move to Israel with him. Uh, I didn't have to, I chose to. And so I applied to do um, sort of a, a program at Hebrew University. I got in. I actually got a full scholarship. It was really amazing to wow. do this one-year program so he could finish his studies. And then I got pregnant, and I was very nauseous. And I don't know, the Israeli <laughs> bus system and me just did not jive. <laughs> yeah. And I just wasn't motivated. It was political science. Not that I don't like that, but it wasn't my love. And I wasn't motivated enough to be so nauseous and work so hard in, for something I wasn't passionate about. So I kind of just took a year off. Came back to Toronto. I had my first child. And then the story goes from there. I don't know how much, if you have want to jump in or if I should continue. No, that's like, so basically you were going down. I guess we can take a step back and say, like, when you decided to, like, biomedical science, was that just because science was interesting to you? Was it like your passion? Or like, was there like a moment, whether it was before undergrad, you wanted to pursue medicine? Or if it was like afterwards when you had kids and you decided to re-pursue medicine? Like, take us through that a little bit. That's a great question. So I wanted to be a doctor since I was a little girl. And that was inspired from doing um, swimming lessons, then becoming a lifeguard. But all of the swimming lessons have a first aid component. And for some reason, I just took to it. I loved it. I loved practicing on the wet, slimy pool floor (laughs) CPR on my co-seven-year-old, whatever. And I thought, yeah, I love medicine. Then I had this interesting experience in high school where I had whooping cough. And so I was in bed for like three weeks. I couldn't go to school. I had to be quarantined. And I did some reading. And it was sort of 
Jewish theological reading, and it was written by this amazing female mentor. And I just found the material very inspiring, very sort of like gave me a lot of direction about life, about meaning, about our purpose in the world. And I kind of went through this identity crisis where I said like med school is going to take me at least, what, eight to 15 years. And what if I spent that studying Jewish theology and could share these unbelievable sort of principles that I find so inspiring with other people? And could I get the same type of meaning and impacting others and uplifting others as I could from medicine? Sorry, and where were you in your like education? I was journey? in grade ten. Grade ten. So yes. this is so, so I had three weeks at home. I did yeah. a lot of thinking. Yeah, fifteen year old Dina, the <laughs> yes. philosopher. Yes. Slash oh. teacher doctor. So you've been quite philosophical and deep for a very long time. I guess you could say. That. Which doesn't surprise me at all. Not at all. Yeah. I feel like she probably came out the womb like this. Yeah. <laughs> so you had this sort of a so you're quarantined, you're reading a lot about what it means and you're kind of weighing two boats per yeah. se. And then so then what won? So I went, I did biomedical science thinking, okay, at least I'll start off on the path towards medicine. But then I met this great guy who was a rabbi, I wanted to do the exact type of educational outreach, meaning not just circumscribed to observant Jews running their life cycle events, really reaching out to um, people of all walks of life and sharing these beautiful ideas. That's what he had devoted his education to. That was the kind of program he was in. He actually wrote a book called Judaism Unraveled about um, questions about Judaism wow. for the general public. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like I just got pulled into it was like him as a person, but also this idea of what we could be together as a couple and what we could accomplish. And therefore, I think I was willing to put being a doctor on hold and help him finish his rabbinical journey. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. that's sort of why I took a break from undergrad, even though I was a very always very academic type of person. Right. And in that, Dina, like what brought you back to medical school? Because it's a lot, you know, to like you wanted to be a doctor ever since you were a little girl. But then to sort of have life pull you in a different direction, it's really hard sometimes to come back to your roots in a bit. So could you tell us what brought you back? For sure. So I wound up doing, I became a trademark agent. So for those who don't know, that's within the field of intellectual property law. Mm -hmm. So it's prosecuting trademark applications for clients. So helping Coca-Cola get their trademark register with the Canadian government. I trained in that because i that's the field in which I worked while my husband, to s sort of support our family while he was mm -hmm. finishing his education. Which is incredible. So I thought about law school, long and hard. That mm -hmm. was another big one. Um, I think the turning point for me was we were living in London, Ontario, working uh, for an organization that whose mission was to service Jewish undergraduate students at Western. Ooh, and, shout out Western. Sorry. Yeah, just, exactly. Just got excited there. Go Mustangs. Mustangs. I had two little yeah. kids and one on the way, and I was doing a lot of cooking and hosting. We would mm -hmm. host like these great Shabbat dinners, holiday meals. I became like a... I don't know, a cook, and I managed a kitchen because people would come and help me, which wasn't exactly what I envisioned. I also taught a class on Jewish ethics. That part I really enjoyed, mm -hmm. the research and teaching. But I think it was when I went to a conference, it was 10,000 trademark agents, and most of whom were lawyers as mm -hmm. well. And I kind of felt like if I don't pursue some further level of training, I'm always going to be limited. And even people I was speaking to were saying, oh, so why don't you go to law school? You're young. You're obviously interested. And then I had to say, well, hold on a second. If I'm going to spend, invest in professional education, 
maybe I should go back to my initial passion. Mm. And then just the final piece of the story is that a PG-1 OB-GYN resident at Western was brand new to London and she needed a meal, a holiday meal. And so she came to my house. And again, I was like five months pregnant with baby number three. My oldest was three <laughs> and a half. I'm busy serving. And then here's this like doctor in OB-GYN. And I just, I started asking her, like, what would it be like for me to go back with kids? What's your life like? Like, and it just kind of awoke something in me that I just, from that point on, couldn't let go of. I just couldn't stop toying with the idea of med school, you know, looking up the MCAT, looking up how to finish my undergraduate mm-hmm. degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, right after I got into med school, I, I hadn't seen this person since. She is the niece of my parents' next-door neighbor. And I happened to be outside, whatever, and she happened to be there. She had just moved to Toronto, and I saw her, and I just felt like my my story came full circle Mm because I think it was five years since having her over for that dinner and then finally getting into med school. So it was nice for her and nice for me to sort of share that. What an incredible story. And, you know, just goes to show you never know, like, who you meet and how that will impact your where you go in life. Mm-hmm. And so Dina, we're, we've been in medical school now for like six, seven months. Um, wow. Crazy, <laughs> wild, wild. Don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to break the news, Simon. Yeah. Um, but if you sort of had to give us like a highlight, low light of your experience so far, was it worth all everything you've invested in this professional education? 110%. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you oscillate back and forth on an important life decision. And you're just not sure, should I do this? Should I not? You're weighing pros and cons. And then you go with something and you get there and you're like, looking back with hindsight, I cannot envision having done anything different. That's how I feel. Like, I just feel like I belong. You know, as a parent, in order to be a good parent, you have to have some personal level of satisfaction Mm -hmm. and meaning. And medical school has given me that. And it's people think it detracts from my parental role, maybe from my marital role, from my role sort of in leadership in the Jewish community. It's the opposite. It augments it mm-hmm. because it fuels something inside of me, something that's unique, unique to my mission and, you know, gives me more zest for all my other roles. So I definitely think it was the right choice. I love it. I'm very happy in Max program in particular. Um, there's always low lights, mm-hmm. nothing Nothing is just a purely sweet experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can address that too. Yeah, we'd we'd love to hear. Yeah, like, is it, I guess we want to know, like, is it what you expected? Because I think that's something that, like, all of us, it's a unique sort of, it's not not necessarily unique, but it's like, from your perspective, what surprised you, like, since becoming a medical student? This is going to sound interesting. What, one of the things that surprised me, was how much my sort of unique Jewish lens comes out on a daily basis. I kind of saw things as like isolated, like I have this identity, I have my maternal identity, my Jewish identity, then my medical school identity. Mm -hmm. And I can look like and act like everyone else. So why should they sort of all converge? and come out on a daily basis, but it might just be my personality. I think it is. But I also think that medicine and some of the conversations we have touch my other identities. And so it comes out in conversation more than I anticipated. And I really enjoyed that because it also 
creates um, a platform for students who have their own unique identities to share with me. And I think it's been very, I told someone recently, I feel very culturally enriched. Mm -hmm. Like there's a level of sort of social world global awareness that I've gained in this program, I guess because of actually my unique lens and other people Mm -hmm. sharing with me theirs. Yeah, and I definitely can relate to that too. Like even having different conversations with Tina and other people in our class, like it definitely comes out. So I resonate with that sentiment a lot, that there's a lot of cultural enrichment. Um, Dina, I just sort of wanted to ask you further about something you just mentioned um, in that your sort of your sort of Jewish identity comes out more than you expected. Can you give us like a for instance of when you sort of saw that happen? There's practical parts to it, and then there's ideological parts. Mm -hmm. So on the practical level, I abide by certain sort of restrictions that might that I for which I have to uh, make preceptors aware and advocate for myself. I observe the Sabbath, so I have a non a technology free twenty five hour period from Friday on sundown at sundown to Saturday at sundown. And, you know, there's some management around that. I've had to miss out on some what seemed like exciting opportunities that were held on Saturday, but none of which were a mandatory part of our curriculum. I find that MAC, in keeping with its mandate to support diversity, has been incredibly gracious in terms of asking me how they can accommodate Mm me. There have been other observant Jews who've gone through the program, and I'm not the only one in our year. But I just think they have a growing awareness of our unique needs, and they've actually been, they've taken the initiative to ask how they can help, and I've, it just means the world to me. So, um, so that's practical things around modesty and how does that work with scrubs, um, inter intergender contact mm-hmm. and how does that work with practicing on colleagues obviously within my medical profession I will be able to treat you know all people of all identities but just in terms of um, when it's just a practicing with colleagues thing and Sabbath kosher food so those are the practical things and then there are ideological things like how does my religious ideology inform how I feel about things like contentious topics like uh, made medical assistance and dying and abortion and you know so many things like that and I'm not here to represent observant Judaism and say where it stands Mm -hmm. or that it necessarily conflicts but it is something that I may have to think more deeply about and and really think about the nuances sort of like what are the underpinning belief systems that are behind these stances that we take Mm-hmm. And just like going off of that vein, like having conversations with Dina in the past, uh, disclaimer, we were in MF1 together, so yes. I have uh, had plenty of chances to talk about it. I think what I really admire is that it's not just a black and white for you. I think that you really do take religion as like a spectrum. And I think that you look at the philosophical aspects of it, the theological aspects of it, and you practice it, what what it believes, what you believe it to be. And I think that I don't know, I like put ethical conundrums to you. Like what if you're on Sabbath and somebody is like needs resuscitation? You're like, well, then I would help them if that counts. Like that's a conversation that we've had. But I guess we're talking and it's excellent. I, I'm really happy to hear that McMaster like is accommodating for you and is able to like fill in with your schedule. But, and it may be difficult for you to address this, but I can't imagine it's all perfect. And I can't imagine that like, it's just maybe it's a cynical view or maybe it's just like the other perspective like 
have there been instances where you truly felt at a detriment or is there a fear that you have for the future where you may be having to work that much harder than someone else or maybe face some sort of a discrimination that you kind of mentally prepared for or have mentally faced and if you wanted to talk about that that'd be something I'd be interested to hear yeah I want to be careful not to lay blame mm-hmm but to use this question as more of op- an opportunity to just raise awareness um, because I don't think anyone is at fault. And I think that, so I just want to be clear about my intentions. There are things like I was taken by a fellow uh, Muslim student to the, uh, like the prayer room in the hospital. And there were like many Qurans. There were some Christian Bibles. There was no like Jewish prayer book. Mm-hmm. So that was an example of where I felt like you know, we had a lot of representation of very, you know, the big, the big uh, religions. But even though it is welcoming to a Jewish mm-hmm. person, I can't practically pray in there because my prayer book isn't there. So like, and I, and I take that as an opportunity for me to say, you know, what, why don't I go get a prayer book and put it in there? Mm-hmm. Not to lay blame, but an opportunity to, um, to pave the way for other Jewish, Jewish students. So that's, that would be an example. Is that sort of getting at what, like, mm. small things? There's also, you know, nobody likes working on the weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a big paradigm shift, I think, for those of us who are used to a Monday-Friday schedule, and then we go into clerkship, and there's no such thing as weekends anymore, right? It's mm-hmm. all fair game, sort of, so to speak. So I do think that in certain situations, um, people might be frustrated with the fact that, you know, if I have to take off every Saturday and I can only do Saturday not night call and not Friday night call, um, or I want to work Sundays and not Saturday, Saturdays. Um, and I, I can understand that because they may feel like, you know, why does she have her her needs accommodated? What about my needs? You know, what? so I anticipate that there might be some explaining and massaging sort of around that. But there is, I know um, Dr. Jill Rakowski said that in her year, like, you know, the Jews would cover Christmas and uh, we all cover each other's things so that we mm-hmm. can all sort of attend our important religious events. Um, so it may act, they may actually embrace the fact that they have someone who has a different religion, different ethnic identity and can cover for them when they want yeah. a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's really inspiring. And I think a lot of the reason why the program has been so gracious with you is also because of your demeanor like Naman mentioned this too that it's like your attitude is very inspiring and like you're very you're very intentional with what you ask and how you go about it so I think you're also not giving yourself enough credit Mm -hmm. um to that end would you have any advice um as to how other people in our program or people in general can advocate for themselves when you know they don't see themselves represented or when they do need accommodations Building in lead time is important. If mm-hmm. you have a special request, anticipate it and mm-hmm. ask in advance because it's so much easier for someone to plan to accommodate you than to have to undo their hard work to accommodate you. So I think that's just a general sensitivity and you can't always do that, but in many cases you can anticipate your needs. So right from when I got into med school, like in May, I was sharing with them sort of the dates of my Jewish holidays. Wow, um, that early. What MFs I needed certain, like I couldn't have a Friday schedule that went late into the evening during winter because uh, sundown is at four o'clock. Mm-hmm. So lead time is really important. 
And then I think just explaining, there's a balance between, I wouldn't say be demanding. You know, people, we want to stand behind sort of our rights to be accommodated. But there's a way to do that that's not demanding um, and that appeals to the goodness in people because I think everyone has goodness. It's just sometimes we put people on the defensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to not expect that they know everything or that it's their job to figure out. Like, for example, one of the administrators, she emailed me as they're trying to be more cognizant of Jewish holiday planning. And she said, like, I don't understand. You know, she had a question about the Jewish calendar. Mm-hmm. And the Jewish calendar is hard to explain. And I kind <laughs> of gave her like a two-paragraph primer on it. And it just made everything so much more easy to, you know, plan around. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess offer help, offer to educate, be polite, be respectful, and be grateful for the time that they put in to accommodate you. Even though they may have to do it because it's their mandate, we should thank everyone who goes out of their way for us. So that would be my advice. Yeah, that's a it's a really practical way of putting it, like just understanding that when you're going for accommodations or just going to someone they have your best interests at heart as well, and they, you just want to set yourself up for success by giving yourself plenty of time, having primers, and just being like a polite person. Mm-hmm. That's I feel also like, such a Dina response. Yeah, <laughs> like show gratitude. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, just going off of that vein, I think that one thing that like I really admire, and it's, it's part of like your religious identity, your identity as a mother that you mentioned, as someone you haven't mentioned it yet as much, but commutes far. Like, I want to say, like, over an hour every day. So as someone who lives, who's fortunate enough to live in Ancaster, who drives 10 minutes to school, I struggle with time management. (laughs) (laughs) And I struggle with juggling everything. And I think that it'd be really helpful. Like, what is, like, what are some habits that you think you have that kind of set you up for the success that you're having? Because I think that I would be really, when, uh, this is a personal, I, this is not just for me, but I think everyone would like to know, like, what do you think it is that you do that's been, like, habits that you have that are crucial to the success that you've garnered so far? Oh, a thousand percent. Do you even have 24 hours in a day? Like, yeah. do you have? <laughs> <laughs> we all have the same 24 hours in a day. It's the great equalizer of man, right? That, mm-hmm. That's one thing you can't change. Um, I would say none of my habits were, I was. I wasn't born with them. I'm not the most organized person, it was all learned per force by the nature of how busy I was. But some of the things that I've learned are be fully engaged in what you're doing at that moment. You know, like this whole myth of multitasking, that they're realizing that we are all, we're just rapidly switching attention. We can never fully mm-hmm. attend to multiple mm-hmm. stimuli, never mind studying for medicine and having a meaningful conversation with your child at the same time and cooking dinner, right? So I've tried to be more present and mindful and purposeful with my time. My mother always says, credit to her, another amazing mom and working woman, it's quality over quantity. And mm-hmm. that's something I have to remind myself time and again, because there are days where I'll go 24, 36 hours without seeing my kids, just based wow. on the time I have to leave before they're even up and getting home after they've gone to bed and then leaving again the next morning before they're up mm-hmm. because I have an hour commute each way. So that was that was painful. Like if you ask the hard parts about medical mm-hmm. school, it's painful to see your relationship time diminishing. But I've tried to focus on the time I do have 
being very high quality. So someone gave me great advice, like, you cannot, you can no longer be coming home and cooking dinner and putting in a load of laundry and signing your kids' homework and trying to talk to them. You have to get other people to cover those responsibilities because when you come home, you're sitting on the floor and playing with your child. Whereas I would say a stay-at-home mom might never sit on the floor and play at home with their child which is kind of counterintuitive. You mm. think they have all the time in the world, but they're so busy multitasking their domestic home responsibilities and other things that they do. Yeah, no, so being true. purposeful. And that's true with with um, with my studying. It's true with my horizontals. Building in buffers. So even though I think I'm going to get out of a horizontal elective at four, inevitably I have to be there till 4.30 and then there's a snowstorm on the way home. I my kids can't be waiting at a bus stop, waiting, you know, waiting mm-hmm. for mom to come get them. I mm-hmm. need to have buffers and kind of safety systems built in for when things go awry. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, I don't know, I, I, that might have all been parenting and not relevant. <laughs> to no, I think that's very it. relevant, like being able to think about all of these things, like building in buffer time in between, you know, your vari- various commitments, like... I might not be running to a child, but um, thinking about how do I respect someone else's time, you know, for um, like my next meeting or something. I think that's all very, very relevant and and very honest. Yeah. And practical advice. Yeah. And I think parenting advice is good because we're just parenting ourselves at this point. Are we not? (laughs) Good point. I think that's what we have to do. So I think that this has been, I don't know. For me, it's been a really different lens talking to Dina, but but not. I feel like through different ways, I've had this conversation. What I wanted to mention earlier was like when Kathy proposed the idea of having like a student spotlight, like this is her sort of segment and we're going to have like different student spotlights. My brain immediately went to Dina. And that was like, oh, yeah, this is, same. That's pretty unanimous. It yeah. was just I felt like this is such a great medium and just like just a great story for everyone who thinks like it's not about like oh, I have it hard, but look at how much harder she has it. I don't think that's the message. I think it's the inspiration and the different, all the different perspectives and different people that is medicine. And I think that that was super awesome to get today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you mm. think it went? Yeah. yeah, I think it went really well. So Dina, as our first guest on our ID Spotlight, um, we're going to sort of end off with our rapid fire segment. Yes. So these are just really like, gut reactions um and it, it's just our little outro game are can, you ready can i say one thing oh before yeah we do that? sorry i think if i had to have like one message that i wanted to share yes it would be that there are different paths to getting to the same place and i'm not saying have three kids and then go to medical school <laughs> <and> that's <laughs> necessarily ideal but there are beautiful gifts that you find in every unique path and that nothing is ever set in set in stone and that there's beauty and that our school in particular embraces people from diverse backgrounds and I think that that's been so nice for me um, to learn from others Mm -hmm. and and also to be appreciated and I really appreciate that you guys thought of me because that speaks to what your values are and you know what you care about so thank you and yes now we can do the rapid fire outro no that was a beautiful message I think that that's really what this our show is about and wanting to celebrate the diversity in all of the lenses that we bring. Okay. So first question, Dina, are you a cat or dog person? Dog. Awesome. Would you rather have a puppy-sized elephant or an elephant-sized dog? Oh, 
Puppy-sized elephant. I've seen some great elephant movies lately. <laughs> Very into elephants. <laughs> yeah, they're magnificent creatures. Um, so we kind of talked about this earlier, but Dina, what is your Hogwarts house? <laughs> okay. So I have learned in the past 24 hours that it is Ravenclaw. Okay. Yes. I don't know what that says about me, but that's what I think the, it says everything. Okay, yeah. that's yeah. what BuzzFeed tells me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. BuzzFeed never lies. Exactly. BuzzFeed, please sponsor us. Okay, yeah. anyway. Uh, uh, what are you, what excites you these days? Having fun. I'm reading this book called The Power of Having Fun. And oh. I'm all about trying to figure out how to have fun, no matter how busy we are or how stressed we are. So that's I'm in, so I've been, I did some cross country skiing. I put my kids on cross country skis for the first time yesterday. Awesome. And it was yeah. just really good, pure fun. And that is energizing. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. And speaking of fun, Gina, what do you do for fun? I watch TV, nice. yes. just in my bed, <laughs> no distractions. Um, I think that's the great equalizer. We say 24 yes, hours, but Netflix the is the Netflix, great equalizer. Yes, yeah. so true. And like people see kids and all these things, the responsibility, it's also fun. Mm. It means a lot to come home to people who love you. And it's a, it's a, it's a stable constant in my life that not everybody has and that for which I'm very grateful. So I find, find hanging out with my loved ones to be fun. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, it's too wholesome. I almost don't even want to ask this last one, I but I had to because I, this whole interview was important, but this is the most important question. True or false? Naman is the best tutorial mate you've had thus far and best one you'll ever have. So this is very hard because Kathy was also my tutorial <laughs> yeah, mate. So Did you know that? Yeah, yes, so, yeah, we have Dean that and question I too, but were... I had to ask it first. <laughs> okay, you know what? Yeah. Naman asks it first, but you saved the best for last. So yeah. go ahead, Dina. You can answer this. Yes, yeah. just pick. Have, just pick between us. Yeah. I can't. You know uh, I can't, guys. You can just wink at us. It's fine. Yeah. Just, like a, just put a one or a two, <laughs> two yeah. as, a, as your favorite MF. Dina's and nobody will I know. love we different things it. about both of you. Okay. That is such a cop out. Yeah. I know. But it's fine. It's fine. We'll just edit it in post. It's okay. Thomas <laughs> <laughs> just going to put yeah. his name as the answer. As a parent, you teach your child, there is no question you have to respond to if you're uncomfortable. Oh. So. I feel like we were just parented right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely learned I something. Think, yeah. I think Dina went to her mom voice. <laughs> yes. Sorry. All right, I'll should we uh, <laughs> should we wrap up, guys? Yeah, well, thank you so much for your time and huge shout outs to Mike and Daniel in yes. the studio who are making sure that this gets recorded and gets to air. <laughs> so thank you, guys. And just thank you for being here. I think that, uh, I think our classmates are really going to like this. I think that people listening from everywhere are going to like this. I think mm -hmm. I did want to let you sign off as if your kids one day, when infectious dialogue blows up and it's, just, <laughs> yes. it's, a, it's an institution of a podcast <laughs> and they're listening to their mom on their the first ever mm -hmm. student spotlight, what's something you'd want to say to them? Oh, goodness. Uh, I would say to them, anything I accomplish will not just be because of me. You guys make sacrifices too. Uh, like my eight-year-old just told me the other day that it's hard when I don't come home at night. Mm -hmm. And I hope it's worth it. And I hope that we can together share the benefits of whatever I accomplish. And and that, you know, maybe I'll be in a position since I'm a young mom that when they're trying to pursue their journey and maybe they'll have kids, I can help out and return the favor. But just I'm grateful for their love and their understanding and their resilience. Kids are tremendously resilient. And, 
and there's ups and downs and I'm just I'm grateful for that so thank you guys wow that's incredible thanks Dina yeah thank you Dina thanks for having me you guys are the best oh such a pleasure Wow, what an interesting and powerful interview. Thank you so much to Dina Herman for lending your time and being so open, speaking with us here at Infectious Dialogue, sharing your personal story. I think it's easy as medical students to get caught in the day-to-day and become so busy and narrow-minded about your own personal goals and everything. But I think it's nice to be able to set some time aside and learn about the story and background of a very interesting classmate. And I think we'll have lots of interesting ID spotlights to come up. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Mike. Uh, I think uh, it should be noted that we should point out a couple things, uh, just like a little fact check that we like to do at the end of each episode. Uh, We were actually pretty good. I think it was more of just a candid conversation. I did uh, mention Chiku earlier, and I let him out. Uh, For people who are wondering, Chiku is my dog. He's a Soon to be twelve year old Labrador Retriever. I'm not. No one's trapped in my closet that I had to leave it let out every morning. So just putting that out there. And I think Dina and Kathy and I, I think we all were colloquially mentioning this term called horizontal. Uh, at McMaster University, we call our shadowing experiences horizontal electives. Uh, so that's basically a day of shadowing that we do just anywhere. We email and we can find preceptors to shadow and just learn about the different specialties medicine has to offer. So I think she was talking about horizontals. That's what she was referring to. But other than that, I think uh, that covers any everything. I think Dina did a really good job of uh, defining what like a rabbi was and defining about like different aspects of her faith, which was honestly makes our jobs a bit easier. But overall, uh, yeah, I just want to say it was a really uh, fun interview to record and. Yeah, I can't wait to do some more ID spotlights in the future. Absolutely, Naman. I couldn't agree more. It was great to get to know Dina on such a personal level. Just a final shout out to everyone involved in making this episode. Of course, huge thanks goes out to Kathy. She did all the research. She was up there beside me. It really felt, uh, I had a lot of fun making it with her, uh, as well as my co-producers, uh, Mike G and Grinder Sandu, the rest of the executive team, Prasida, Jenny, and Daniel. And of course, another special shout out for this episode goes to Michael Vu, who was really involved with the whole production side of things and really researching this episode. So, And with that being said, thank you so much to you for tuning in to another episode of Infectious Dialogue. Don't forget to follow us on our social media at Infectious Dialogue. And with that, we're signing off on the very first episode of the ID Spotlight, hopefully with many more to come. This has been Infectious Dialogue, where listening is the best medicine.